Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, since Caitlin is here, we'll go ahead and get started. This is Verum Fabulous Fellowship. And what is what is the date? 26th of September 2002. We are doing Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, and it is a packed house tonight. We're going to uh, be... A uh, led tonight by the MC, Mr. David Whitaker. David, take it away. MC, MC, my butt. Um, all right. Well, I I teach for a living, so I don't care to do too much in the way of contextualization of this stuff. So I'm just going to ask questions. And I hear that I wasn't here last time. But I hear we didn't actually go too much further down. The story oh, uh, than we did, right? I was so nervous. I was listening the whole way here. <laughs> I was like, I'm so behind. Oh, well, okay, I'm ahead. So I think I think we really the last place we left off was Tom Bombadil, and then we hadn't even got to the Barrow Mountains yet. So that's a whole thing. And I was curious. Any, any initial impressions about the whole Barrow Downs sequence? Anyone have any initial impressions about the Barrow Downs? That, that to me is a very important part, but I'm not going to preach as to why. What part? Barrow Downs sequence. When they are going towards, from Tom Bombadil's land towards Bree, and then they get lost in the mist, and then all of a sudden some weird things start to happen with Barrow Lights. Yeah, some creepy stuff in there. I had to rewind that part because I couldn't figure out what just happened. I was like, wait. Is it, is it psychedelic mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> literally, I was like, oh, let's they be free. They do love mushrooms, and right? Tom Bob was all happy, and then all of a sudden, like, Frodo's, like, passed out. I'm like, where? I literally reminded three times. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a creepy part. Um, there's a couple key things that happened in there. One of them is uh, the acquisition of certain items that will come back to put into play later on in the plot. And uh, the other is actually a point of reference for old Tom uh, that may help answer some of the questions. Although, you had some really great answers last time, so I <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, there's a, couple, there's a couple key things that happen in there. Anyone have some curiosities or what the heck is this? Is well, I just start, I'm a little late to the game, 
But I've pretty much caught, I've caught up to this point. I started cool. today. Awesome. So that's how much I've listened to. But. I was listening to that actually on the way here, uh-huh. and I got a little confused, and so I was like, I've got to, I'm going to have to rewrite this part, but at least I listened to it to get to this point. So I'm going to take in as much as you guys talk about, so I can go back and listen and understand it. This is Kelsey, by the way. Yes. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. Wife to Trent, my friend. Wonderful woman. Awesome. Well, to recap. Frodo and the gang are running through this section of woods that leads out of Tom's land, and they basically end up kind of going down into this sort of valley, leading them towards Bree. And all of a sudden, this mist starts to creep in, and they're they're feeling fine because they're just laughing, having a good time. They're eating some of the food Bombadil gave them, so it's you know it's jolly. And then uh, all of a sudden. Uh, they get on their ponies and they start wandering away and they're like, wait a minute, this is looking pretty weird. And the warning that Tom gave them to stay away from this section comes back to their mind a little bit too late. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, Frodo loses uh, the rest of the crew. There's like, he thinks he can hear them, but can he? And he runs off into a certain direction thinking he can find them, and then all of a sudden he turns around and sees this dark figure coming towards him, and then he swoons, and he wakes up. I and like how, getting to that point, they did the thing that the hobbits always seem to do. When they're traveling by themselves, they stop for a meal, always have to stop for a meal, and then you take a little nap afterwards, and then when you wake up from the nap, the mists are coming in, the creepy crawlies are coming out, and stuff like that. You know, whenever they're with... Strider or anybody else who says, no, no, quick break for lunch, maybe, and then we got to keep moving and stuff, they do fine. But when they follow their hobbit ways, they get in trouble every time. That's so true. It's totally true. This is is what I call the reintroduction to the the new world. Um, Because there's like this this kind of this false, well, not so much false start. It's like, you know, know, the hero's journey, you have... uh, a trajectory after the inciting incident when someone is called into adventure, right? They're, like in Star Wars, Luke is called by Obi-Wan to go and, you know, fight the Empire. And then he goes back because he's worried about his aunt and uncle only to find them dead. And that's the basically the, the point where he's like, all right, I'm walking into the new world. And then from then on, it's just adventure. And it's new stuff the whole way. Brodo's new world is after he leaves the Shire and he gets into the, new, into the old forest and some crazy stuff happens. But then he gets sucked into Tom Bombadil's world, which is like this total tangent off into just like, it's not even a part of the hero's journey whatsoever. It's just its own thing. There's good reasons for it that we talked about the first week, but like it's just over here on its own. And then they're back into the old, into the new world again. But they've gotten lulled into a sense of complacency a little bit because Tom's like just, Seemingly all powerful, and he's cool. And then they come back into this new world again, and the hobbits are just like totally taken aback because they've gotten back into their hobbit chow down ways. <laughs> and, and then they're they're basically uh, kidnapped and by by the ghost of kings past, more or less. Anyone? Catch anything weird about that whole section when when Frodo was in the 
barrow down. I think I think the whole like now that I'm making it again as an adult, I think the scary part of it was kind of lost on me mm -hmm. because like uh, the whole like you the only part of the bar ride you described is like the hand and you know it's crawling on his fingers and like the only like the only other reference I have for that is like uh, the Adam's family. Yeah, that's always what I think of too. So it's like, at that point, it's like, okay, this is lost on me now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just that seriousness, I'm sure that he was wanting it to be there, just isn't there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it would have had more of a scare factor if it wasn't, like, walking on fingertips, but more of, like, crawling. Yeah. Then it probably would have been like, okay, that's a little bit more creepy. Yeah. Fingertips is more comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The part in, there's a part in that section when Frodo is at his lowest. Does anyone remember that part? When he's, when is he's... It when he says, I could slip the ring on and leave them all behind. Yep. And mm -hmm. they're like, and the decides, like, I could easily just leave Yeah. And what does the voice say? The voice in his, in his mind telling him to do. Uh, what is it telling him? Does anyone remember that? And what else could I would say? Gandalf would say there was nothing else you could do. It would, you know, you had no choice. You had to leave them. You had to put on the ring and go away. But he doesn't, which is, I think, to my mind, one of the most important parts of the initial opening section of the hero's journey for Frodo, because he makes the hard choice, um, and he. Effectively, is like no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this, even though it's gonna maybe cost me. And there's another. We talked. We, we talked about the Ring of Gyges the first week, right? Was that what? The Socrates thing with the Ring of Gyges and the. Yes. 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 We talked about that. Yeah. Um, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think there's a really important aspect of this because... Tolkien's effectively saying, because he, he's very, very clearly channeling that myth, the Ring of Gyges, which is the idea that if you put on something that's all-powerful, you're going to be corrupted. Um, and Tolkien's kind of like saying, with this one, it's not that fast. <laughs> it's a slow burn for this character. Um, and that that part of him that he like chooses he chooses to do what's right even though he's got this powerful thing that can save him uh, is, is so is so important for the rest of the story because that solidifies Frodo's character from the very beginning as as a for lack of a better word righteous character um, and that that's I think huge for the whole rest of the thing and it's also it's also very interesting because he's kind of He's actually kind of poking at Socrates a little bit by saying, well, maybe not at first. Um, you might not be corrupted so quickly. 
if you if you have good in you to begin with. Um, but it's it's pretty interesting to my mind that section. <clears throat> what does that say then about Bilbo? And I don't really know. I didn't read that book, so I don't know anything about Bilbo. But remember later, yeah. he uh, he gets to Rivendell. And Bilbo says, can I just see it? Yeah. Can you just see it? And he pulls it out, and all of a sudden, in Frodo's mind, he sees a slimy, sniveling, whining creature that wants to see his ring. Yeah. So what does that say? If you're saying Frodo is righteous, or has he just not had the ring long enough <coughs> to become the sniveling, whining creature? Have you finished the series yet? Okay. So I don't want to comment too much on that because it definitely will spoil some things. Yeah, I don't want don't want to spoil anything. Um, okay. Well, just can you just say, uh, Ruth, that's a full of baloney thought. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that's full of baloney. I wouldn't say. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's all I need. Oh, what I guess. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Ruth's baloney so, thoughts. <laughs> I almost think that, that Bilbo's innocence protected him to some level because he never did anything nefarious yeah. with the ring. Mm -hmm. And he is still the only person documented to ever having willfully, volitionally yeah. given up the ring. Yep. So so I think I've that having it so long too. And yeah. yeah, so like even though he did get preserved and feel like he was not enough butter, you know, scratched over too much toast. Yeah. I think that he's still, between his innocence and his selflessness, to give it up voluntarily, that that act of will, I think it shows something about sin and the old man, that when you dangle it back and, like, even though you've stepped away, even though you've given up this thing, this bauble, yeah. the precious, that if you go and somebody dangles it in front of your eyes again, that mm -hmm. that, that that nature will still mm -hmm. reach out. I mean, th this that particular scene to, just feels so C.S. Lewis-ish to mm -hmm. me. It feels a little great divorce-like. Like that's a little yeah. microcosm of a little sort of sub-parable in there. So, yeah, totally. I think they mentioned that it's kind of a hobbit trait. Like a hobbit has to be the one to have the ring because the hobbits are stubborn enough or resistant enough to its power. And I think I like that idea. Like the hero in this story isn't like the strongest or the wisest or that he needs all of those other people to chip in. But his only like superpower here is that he's a little bit less tempted by evil. Right. And I think that's an interesting thought. How the, um, Saruman, the white, the white. Yeah. Okay. Not Sauron, but Sauron. Uh, didn't wasn't he? Didn't he talk about how he's like power? The most important thing is like power, getting all the power and all the knowledge and all the. Didn't he say that when Gandalf had his meeting? I don't know exactly what the words are were, but I'm like, oh, it's the language of tyrants right there. It's oh, like yeah. on full display, and it's like the opposite of what you were talking about with, you know, these these hobbits. It's like. They're giving away the power. Well, it just reminds me of, like scripture, you know, like yes. your weakness is your strength kind of thing. Like, you know, Jesus wants your weakness, not your strength. And by giving him that, you become strong. But it's funny how, like, 
obviously this isn't, I know, I know that Tolkien thought that C.S. Lewis was too on the nose with Narnia. I know that was like his biggest like hang up. It's like, it's too on the nose, Christian. Like, you know, like you need to, you know, stay away from that. But I feel like there are still so many little glimpses of things like that. Like what can you just said of like, the whole reason he, so, he was chosen to do this is because he's weak. And in that, like all these other quote unquote strong people come in to like help him. But he's the only one who can do it. And they knew it. Elrond knew it. Like all these other people couldn't do it. You know. But it's a quality that was like deep within him from the beginning. Like he has yeah. to channel it, but... It wasn't something that he created himself. Mm -hmm. It was like he was created with a purpose. But to your hero's journey point, the, this actually is like, to talk about his superpower, this is actually the first time Frodo resisted. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. the, the, the negative is a positive. In this instance, Frodo said, no, I'm, I'm not gonna use the ring. And that sort of set the stage for him being able to to resist yeah. you know going forward yeah absolutely what's like what was that you always said or you used to say it's been years ago at bff but it's like there are people who are born kings there are people who become kings or something like that there's people who are like you know what i'm talking about some I think people it's are Peterson. born great some people become great and some people have greatness thrust upon them yes theodore roosevelt that's it it's good it reminds me of this what we're talking about right now um, okay. so is that quality innate in hobbits or just in some hobbits? Well, those other Saxville Bagginses, obviously. That's who I was thinking of. The Sandy Men. <laughs> They're like obsessed with wealth, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. It seems like it might be semi innate because Smeagol was a hobbitish. Even Smeagol had that long duration with the ring, and he was like a hobbitish folk. But do you think that the Saxville, whatever, Bagginses, do you think that... They would have been Schmeagles. Would they have turned more quickly than Bilbo oh. and Frodo? Yeah, they're I still, they're still, still bad character. hobbits. It's <laughs> still your character. Still bad hobbits, yeah. yeah. It's just like anybody. Yeah. There's good people and there's bad people. But hobbits, <laughs> hobbits as a species would, well, would still be more stubborn and turn less quickly, possibly. Yeah. I'm really so you mentioned some kind of redemption that might happen to those guys. So. Redemption and, and uh, Return of the King. I don't, I don't know about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. This was, uh, this was yeah. interesting right here. Uh, Frodo says he thought that he'd come to the end of the journey, the end of his adventure. <laughs> like, it's already like so many, he's like, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> well, I think probably because that was his first big scary yeah. moment like yeah. that he's faced and then of course we I mean I've not read the books but I've seen the movies there's many times and there's a lot of challenges he'll eventually face and eventually your tolerance builds up to the point where it's like okay well this might be a bit I don't know you know yes. but this is his first big milestone in his yeah. well, he's never known darkness yeah he's never yeah. seen it back he's mm -hmm. never seen nastiness I mean, outside of like squabbles with hobbits. Yeah. Well, he'd been off for an adventure. Mm -hmm. He made it through the old forest. That's an adventure. He's ready to be done. Yeah, that's what he says too. He's like, I had my adventure. It's like, yeah. all right. It's over. <laughs> it's like Sam's adventure is just going past the Shire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one is <laughs> And then we get over to Rivendell, and he's at the point again where he wants the adventure to be done. I was just going to say, that's the point I'm at. I'm like, yeah. it seems like he's over it. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets there, and he's like, okay, well, pass the ring to somebody else now. Yeah. Going home. Yeah. That reluctance is, that's, that's a virtue. 
is reluctance. Yeah. Because because everybody else is like they they would want the ring, and he's like, I don't want it. Who's the only person who you want trust with the ring? Is the person who doesn't want it. Mm -hmm. um, That's I love. I just I uh, got the part whenever Gandalf tells him, he says, uh, Frodo, we must keep our courage up. We have to keep our courage up. And then Frodo says, I don't have any courage to keep up. <laughs> oh, that was so <laughs> this is so good. I don't have any courage to keep up. Gandalf. Yeah, I think too to to your point, Wes, that like. There's definitely like a corruptibility to hobbits, but it tends to be that their corruptibility tends to lead to things that are less disastrous than maybe other right. races. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, there is that difference. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's about them that they're slower to corruption. On top of that, though, I think there's something really important in the beginning when when Gandalf talks, is talking to Frodo about the ring, he says something to the effect of, and that was the curious thing of all, most curious thing of all, that the ring didn't go to find an orc, it found Bilbo. And he said there must be, he said there's something more there in that than just simply curiosity. It's almost as if Bilbo was meant to have it, and now we can look at you and say you also were meant to have it. Um, and that's like the first moment in the series, and one of the very few, where like a higher power is is alluded to. It's 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 not um, not often that he explicitly states that, but there's a couple times where he's he's like, there's there's a lot more work here than than we're than just us. So, this plane. so does this does this mean that that higher will overcame the ring's will to be found? Uh, that's that seems to imply that, or it seems to have directed it at like confused it or like like chosen the timing of right. Smeagol losing it, mm -hmm. so that the ring would then fall into the hands of what we wanted it to fall into the hands of. There's the there's the the uh, we talked about the ubiquitous. <coughs> God, mm -hmm. the atmospheric presence of God all around, who makes himself known without making himself known. Yeah. Yeah. On that, it makes me think of when uh, Frodo is asking why they killed Smeagol, you know, and he, that makes me think of the higher power, too, because he says, I don't know why, but for some reason I feel like he'll play a part in this story, whether for ill or for good. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, that stuck with me, too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm really struck by the, um, I guess by like the culture of the hobbits specifically in juxtaposition to Frodo's temptation of the ring. 
where it's like pretty much anytime he's tempted or anytime he experiences like a really dark moment in his journey, he's always like looking back to the Shire. He's like always looking back to like his friendship with Sam, like his connection to the Hobbits, like this life and this this beautiful culture that he participates in in being part of the Shire. And the fact that he always has that to look to and to kind of like draw him away from the temptation seems really significant to me, where it's almost like all these other characters, like I think of Gandalf who like, he says like, I can't have the ring because like there's so much I would, there's, I have such a great mission placed upon me that like if I did have it, I would want to use it so badly to accomplish all the things that I'm responsible to accomplish. Yeah. And even just like the ambition of men throughout the story, it's like they're constantly drawn to the ring because of this like ambition that they're so set on and it's like the hobbits, when they're tempted by the ring most, it's like Frodo's always looking back on like, no, but like, you know, I have like this whole thing going on over here. Like I have all these friends and family and like life to live with these people. And yeah. it's not like his main goal isn't like ambition. It's like those two things are so opposite that like he sees that the ring can't help him because he has this thing as opposed to like he has all this ambition and the ring could kind of help him get there. Not but Boromir. when it comes to the Shire, it's like the ring can't add anything to it. Mm, it's that's like, good. Yeah. In fact, just like, he needs to get rid of it to get back to where he yeah, actually it's wants like, to be. Yeah, it's like the only way to get back to the Shire yeah. is to get rid of the ring. Whereas, like, the ring is kind of like, you know, somewhat along the lines of what a bunch of other people want to accomplish. But for him, he's just like, there's no way to move forward other than to get rid of this thing. Can, yeah, we, can we also say that he has to destroy the ring to make sure the Shire continues to exist? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I th that's the part that I got emotional on, which I'm listening to it on Spotify. So with, after chapter, I told her, I'm like, I'm already just finished chapter two, and I'm already, like, emotional. <laughs> but it's when he says that for so long he'd longed for adventure, but now, and he'd even thought about dragons, or and you all may have talked about this last week, but talking about dragons or something shaking up the Shire, and now he's, like, yeah. actually... This is where, I can't remember the word he said, but my foothold is with the Shire now, and I know that this is here for me, no matter what, and no matter what this journey brings, I've got this with me in my heart. It was kind of like in my heart. I don't remember exact, the exact words, but it was really good. Everyone just keep that in your brains. It's yeah. going to come back around in the end. I can't ex remember the exact words, but... Um, I'm not sure I do. That one, that one is is a tough one to remember. But I know what you're talking about it's, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And any Bilbo even says at the beginning, his heart's still in the Shire, and mm -hmm. and all this, and and Frodo's very very connected to that place, um, in a, in a very deep level, and so is Sam too. Sam is the other. Let's, let's talk about Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's interesting because, um, all right, well, I'm going to get psychoanalytical stuff a little bit here. <laughs> but if we put this, if we analyze this through a psychoanalytical lens, kind of like Freudian, Jungian kind of stuff, you've got uh, Frodo as the uh, uh, ego, Sam is the super ego, and then Gollum is the id. Um, and I haven't thought of those terms in a while. Yeah. We'll get to it later when they're in the same area. But uh, it's, it's really interesting because um, Sam is like, 
he's very focused on, on doing things the right way. Like he's like just all about that. He just wants to do it right. He wants to get home to the Shire where he can start his garden and just be content. content. Which is another, ah, uh, yeah, I'm just jumping ahead. Doug got it. I don't want to spoil things. But to your point about, about people who were about, you know, around the, around the ring, there is a reason too for Sam being there as well. And it's, and it's a similar one to what we were just talking about with Frodo's nature. Um, and like you were saying, and I think, I think that's a super important part. But it's, yeah, it's very interesting when you dive into the, I, like, I mean, you look at them through that psychoanalytic lens, you can start to see where Tolkien brings out the different parts of the personality of the, the Hobbit. Seems so innocent the whole time. Yeah. I kind of love that. I mean, you have to, I mean, you need those. I think it's what, it's part of the story, like any good story, you have the innocent, and man, he is just, no matter what happens to Frodo, it's like, he understands the gravity, but at the same time, there's something about, that innocence helps carry him through, when, like, Frodo is carrying the weight. Yeah, he's totally devoted to Frodo, but he's got the strongest sense of place with the Shire. Yeah, he's yeah. connected to the Shire, and that's where he belongs. Yep. He knows that throughout his entire being. Mm -hmm. That's where he belongs, and he wants to get back there, but he promised fealty to Frodo, mm -hmm. and he doesn't go back on his word. Yeah. Yeah. I, that and that, I think, is the same. Like that, they're akin in mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. There's just so much there that's similar about them, and it's why I think they work so well together. Um, and with the ring itself, but it's fascinating to see how how well planned that was <laughs> as you look back on the way the characters were developed. But yeah, it's tremendous, and it makes me it makes me think too about the you know the incorruptibility of of someone. Um, and what what it kind of what that kind of means for us, I'm not sure I have a very good answer when I'm mulling it over. But it seems that there's something in there, you know. If if all you want is peace, if your main goal is peace, and uh, in, in your own way, in your small way, then perhaps it's harder for you to be distracted by the temptations that are out there. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that, like we said, Tom Bombadil was immune to the ring, partly because he had no needs. He had no, he had no interest in it because he was content. It's almost like that contentedness of the hobbits and the Shire. They were, they didn't have that ambition. That maybe that sort of like inoculated them to that quest for power as well. But one thing about Sam, um, two things that I think about that are very British, is that I think that we as Americans don't get quite the depth. We don't get as much of the experience of the loyalty of a, of a servant to, to his master. I mean, we're so egalitarian that his loyalty, just selfless loyalty, is there's a depth to that that um, is really a fundamental part of his nature and, and part of his strength. And I, I also think about in C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves, how um, Lewis talks about the, the affection, just, just, just friendship, and that 
we lose we lose that layer. And that's kind of part sort of what we do here, which is cool. Um, just to have that the power of um, of, of friendship in, in the dark times is another one of, of Sam's strengths. I think. And looking at Cecil's talks in The Four Loves, too, in the, the part about friendship, I love how he describes the need, like, even biblically, like, for community and for friendship. It's platonic, you know, and, like, how important that is. Because he describes, like, lovers. He's like, lovers look at one another, and that's, like, their deepest desires one another. When friends look at something together, and they're both, like, parallel looking at the same goal, or, like, admiring the same thing together. Um, and he has that thing of, like, you... I don't remember the quote exactly, but it's basically like the spark that you feel when someone says me too, or like I felt that too, yeah. you know, and he was like, you can't replace that with anything else. Mm -hmm. And so like just to be understood and to be known. And so I feel like you feel that camaraderie the longer the book goes on, like them seeing a goal and even if they don't get it, they still trust Frodo or they trust Gandalf or, you know, like you said, that loyalty that you don't find amongst other types of relationships. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's hard for us in the, in the, uh, the states to really kind of comprehend that uh, that hierarchy can also be a deep form of intimate friendship that we just we can't really wrap our brains around. I think yeah, in right. the same way. Abbey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In like that. Like you watch that show and it starts to click a little bit at a certain point. Yeah, uh, it does. But it, Anna and Mary and Carson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. There's so many ways to go there. Isn't it? I think if we're being honest, we, we have to come to the conclusion that not everybody is is Iron Man, right? Not not everybody is the hero. Not everybody is is Argon. There there needs to be in life some auxiliary characters that their auxiliary role actually is fundamental and important, though not as as. Um, in the limelight as everyone else's, but it's so needed and so important. Sam would be inconsequential almost in any room he walked into, yet fundamentally, he's, he's, he's the rock. Yep. Which takes us kind of like, as the, the readers of the story, we see the importance of Sam, but when you're in the story... Yeah, you would lose Sam. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knows. They keep being shocked every time he shows up and he sings a song or he does something worthy and they're like, oh, it's you. Like he's not, like he wasn't there. He pops into the meeting. Yeah. Yes, you weren't supposed to be in the secret meeting. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, got, I love that scene though, like when they describe how he was sitting behind the corner. Like he was just sitting. And I'm just like, I just imagine some, just a little hobbit sitting. Where do I sit? Twill his thumb, just like, in, like listening to every word they're saying and like, and all. I'm so eager to speak. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just do everything you can to just stay behind. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's, it's amazing how he just does his best with whatever he's given. Uh, there's, such a, there's such an ability in that that I think we often overlook. But he's just like, he's just given, he's just given what he's given, and it's put on his plate, and then he takes it, and he does as much as he possibly can with it. He squeezes every last drop out, and, mm -hmm. and that, like, that character trait, that doggedness is ultimately absolutely fundamentally necessary to the, to the entire story. Yeah. Without him, it would fall apart, but you don't really reminds, think about it when you're there. Reminds us all, like, every character drop characteristics, like, oh, 
that reminds me I want to be like this. I want to have, I want to have this kind of loyalty. I want to have the strength of Aragon to like say no, um, but continue to lead on and be humble while we do it. And all these different characters, who some who are more key and more powerful than others, you see like, well, these are things I want to strive for, which any good story does. Is there, maybe everybody knows this, is there somebody that <laughs> is there somebody that Tolkien relates himself to? Like, I mean, think about writing all of this. I, I see Sam in that. Is there somebody that he really, he's like, yeah, this is kind of mine. This dude's me. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, y'all might know this too, but uh, he's, is Bilbo, is Bilbo and Frodo is about, he's both in a lot of ways, but one of those two are the closest to the way he sees himself, is what I've read. Okay. Um, he, he once was quoted as saying, I, well, I'm like a hobbit, I don't like to travel very much, and I like the creature comforts, and, you know, and I'm very happy where I am. And, and Being this, a military yeah. man, was he, was he an officer, like, did he have a Batman? And that's how he like. Did he pull on somebody like that for Sam? Actually, if you you should watch the movie Tolkien. Yeah. It is amazing. It's a it's basically a biography of Tolkien, and it interweaves his life experiences and a few artistic some artistic liberties. <laughs> but it's still a great movie. <laughs> based upon you know. Yes, uh, I in, loved in, it. Inspired by. It. <laughs> but the his um, like I don't know what his rank would be, but he had like a sergeant or even a private, somebody just sort of a spear carrier that was helping him through the trenches and he just wouldn't, like saved his life, wouldn't let him go, you know. And uh, I don't know if that's like true, true, but um, it was good in the movie, yeah. <laughs> He did get trench fever or whatever it was, and then got sent home because he couldn't recover. Um, camera was that? Is that what it's called? Trench fever? Yeah. 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 Lewis had the same thing. Yeah. And then, and then he got discharged because he couldn't get me out. He gained his full strength or whatever at the time. But. And Lewis is in the book as well. He what? Lewis is in the book. Oh, really? True here. <laughs> 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 I think you're cool. That's what you told us about the first meeting, right? Yeah, let's, let's wait till we get to Treebeard. I've cut out Treebeard's really long poem <laughs> in the audio version. <laughs> but, uh, That's pretty hasty. That is, pretty, pretty hasty of me. But I knew no one would like it. I honestly, I'm, I'm a super fan and I can barely make it through. Um, but, but it is really deep. <laughs> <laughs> David, what do you think the primary, like talking about Tolkien identifying as one of the characters, what do you think the primary difference between Bilbo and Frodo is? Because when I think of them, because I messed up because no one told me and I read The Hobbit first years ago. I know, huge mistake. But, um, and I just feel like Bilbo, the, obviously really similar, but I feel like the main difference that I've seen now, like reading this, reading Fellowship of the Ring and hearing Frodo like say things he misses about Bilbo are like attributes he don't doesn't necessarily have. Like I feel like Bilbo is a little more jovial maybe. I don't know, or like I guess his willingness to leave for an adventure. It seems like Frodo seems a little more reluctant to do that. Or like is a little more scared or timid. I don't know. I feel like he just treats Bilbo as 
he's gone before me and like he's it, whether that's true or not or just perception from the or from Frodo, I don't know. But like what do you think the main differences are between them two, just knowing you've read a lot of those? Um, the the Tookishness is in, in Bilbo a lot more, which is they reference several times, but it's essentially just like a uh, what's the what's the, the the god in Shakespeare puckishness kind of about him, um, but also I think Frodo is way less self-interested mm. than, yeah. than Bilbo. Grouchier. Yeah, he's grouchier. He's 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 much more self-interested and mm. and just yeah. Because this whole adventure yeah. was for him, right? Yeah, it's for him. It was yeah, like Frodo's never. Go me. Yeah, Frodo's yeah. never like uh, I'm gonna do this and I'm yeah. gonna show them I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be amazing because yeah. I'm awesome. Like and, Bilbo. and Bilbo's journey was kind of out of the blue, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. Frodo was, actually had was, to wait years and years and years and yeah. decades before he, he knew his adventure was coming. He said and sat there and just <laughs> meditated and ruminated. Yeah. Yeah. This thing is coming. It's yeah. almost. Yeah, that was cool to actually read versus see the movie because I didn't realize how much time actually passed yeah. Yeah. from the time that he received the ring to yeah. the time of the actual adventure. I was like, seriously? That's a long time to. <laughs> Once again, I was like relating it to my life. Oh. Can you imagine? We can't wait that long for anything. Directors are like. Okay, montage. <laughs> and then when it comes Not time even. to go, and then even when it comes time to go, he still tries to put it off. Yeah. 17 years after he got the ring? Yeah. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus gandalf was mia for nine years yeah i knew gandalf was mia for nine years i didn't realize that yeah. he had the ring for like longer than that 33 though. was when he got the ring and he left to 50. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and it's yeah that's why uh, I struck me this time going back to the book is how much longer things take, you know, because recently all I've done is watch the movies and, mm -hmm. of course, to get it to where the movie can be completed mm -hmm. in oh, three Riverdale. hours unless you have to yeah. cut it off and stuff. It's like, but they spent weeks in Riverdale. They spent weeks in Little Florian. Wasn't spent, there a couple months or a few a months? Month? Yeah, yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. Months. yeah. It was like, yeah. it's, it's like you've got to take care of this ring now. Get out of here. And it's like, just spend three hours in I think it's crazy to think about though, like Balamir mentioned, he's like, I've been riding for 110 days. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. that struck me. From Gondor yeah. to yeah. Rivendell. I'm just like, 110 days. And it just yeah. makes me think of like, like how quickly they got there. Yeah. <laughs> he basically like rode the distance to the United States. That made me exhausted when he's yeah. like, going to send months. out the scouts. 
right? When they stayed in Riverdale yeah. and the scouts had to go out looking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not like, like I'm going to hop on a plane. It's like, no, I'm going to do a Bormir yeah. journey and I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. But, but they also have, like, it's their version of the telegram of, like, tell all animals that are friends. And, like, they, like that's how Gando, like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. You tell it's like, go tell all animals that are friends of what is happening. And, like, it, the word just spread like wildfire. A little yeah. Lewis crossover there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, tell him Week. Yeah. And then never again do the animals speak. Actually, that's not entirely true. There is one There is one brief allusion to animals speaking in, in Return of the King. Oh, no. Two. There's two. But it's very brief. What was his reason for that? He didn't, like... Ironically, though, it's one of the best lines in Return of the King. At the very end, like, there's an animal that talks, and you're like, yeah! <laughs> like, you're getting stoked! And then, and then like, but he didn't like it there. You wonder if Lewis got him to do that and just irritated like, <laughs> like animals have to talk. No, no, he lost a bet. Or he lost a bet. If I win, you gotta put an animal at the end. Yeah, I wouldn't give anything. He lost a bet. I'm like, the best line in Narnia is with Mrs. Beaver. When she, you know, whenever Lucy's like, or whoever, it might be, and I can't remember who it was, and they're like, Oh, a lion! Like, whoa! Is he is he safe? Like, yeah. is he safe lion? He was like, no, of course he isn't That's safe, but he's Mr. good. Beaver. He's like king, I tell you. Yeah. That's like one of the best lines of the whole book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, there's the, the the animal line at the end of this series is way better with the soundtrack. So if you want to listen to that on that <laughs> section, that you, I'll put the audio the audio book up with the soundtrack thing. There's it's so much better, but it's really good. It's Maybe at the end we'll bring in a speaker and we'll just play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should. Up. We should. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah then, um, oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. There's something about Frodo in the... Also interesting that the call, of, the call to adventure is different mm -hmm. for Bilbo than it is for yeah. Frodo. Frodo. Like, it's quite different. They, they uh, it's almost like, an, he's, Bilbo's almost like an afterthought to Gandalf. And he's not, but he treats him that way. Mm -hmm. And and Bilbo's like, yeah, all right, whatever. And uh, but then Frodo is like, there's uh, the weight of the world is literally on on my shoulders. All right, after 19 years, mm -hmm. you know, whatever 17 years. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's 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 just based on the little I know about Tolkien. Obviously, um, I feel like he would really want a Frodo. It seems like at least. And then Bilbo maybe. That's why I asked that question. Because some of the qualities that I know that differs Bilbo from Frodo, I feel like Tolkien is way more like um, Frodo. Mm. Seems like at least. The only, the only thing I would say with Gather, because once you asked that question, I said I wanted to dig a little more into it. And somebody quoted that the reason why he would relate more to Bilbo was more so on the artistic factor of writing and speaking, mm. because Bilbo. He comes up with stories, or songs, books. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah like stories. His book, like that's more of him, not more so the adventure part. So I think, like they mentioned, it's a he is a blend of Bilbo and Frodo on that aspect. Maybe like two different time periods, right? Like maybe yeah. Frodo's when Tolkien's young, and then yeah. um, when he gets older, he feels more like Bilbo. Yeah, I don't know. Could also be an idealized version of himself as Frodo mm -hmm. too. Just, like what he was like. Yeah, I've written that way before. This, this is me if I was much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, no, I mean, that's very interesting. It, it feels like Bilbo and Frodo, there's a relationship between the nature of The Hobbit as a book and The Lord of the Rings as a series. It seems like The Hobbit is an adventure. And like The Hobbit is a fairy tale, but The Lord of the Rings is an epic. The Lord of the Rings is a myth. Yeah. And so like Bilbo is a lot more lighthearted. He's a lot more like a fairy tale hero, but Frodo is taking on, like you said, the weight of the world. He's more of an epic, yeah. serious, profound hero. Yeah. Is is Bilbo, I've never read The Hobbit, is Bilbo, I've seen the movies, so I don't know how accurate his character is compared to the movies, because in the movies, he's portrayed, in the beginning, he's a bit grouchy and like, I don't want to do this, but later on, he's very like, loyal and very heroic. Is he... Is he like that in the book? He's the I, he's the unexpected hero. So he yeah. grows he grows into that, um, which you see in the movies as well, because you don't get that feeling from Bilbo in Lord of the Rings. Well, he's also yeah. stretched thin too. Yeah, that's true. Like that, I've not really gotten deep into The Hobbit. Uh, I watched the first movie when it first came out, and that's kind of the for me. No, I actually liked it, but. I would like to read books eventually, but uh, I do, like, all I know of him is in The Lord of the Rings, in the beginning, when he is grouchy, he says he feels like he's been stretched yeah. very, very thin, because he's had the ring for forever, of course he is, yeah, and that's but then when he gets to a, a different point of letting that go, it's like he's his best self at that Point, you know, I also thought he was excited on, to go on his adventure. Maybe I just misunderstood that. But I thought in the beginning of The Hobbit, he was like, like eager to go on his adventure. I didn't get him as grouchy at all in the beginning. I just got him as grouchy whenever he had the ring for a while. That's yeah, what he said. He was more yeah. excited. I thought he was Proto. more, yeah. Yeah. But like, they did have to wake up the shame him into the Tukish side of his. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. The dwarves had to sort of yeah. talk about the that little fellow. Bouncing on the on the front stoop, yeah. Or it's the trials that bring out either the best or the worst in us. Yeah. Like the hero's mm -hmm. moment, as Wes talked about a lot, like when you're pushed to the edge, all of a sudden you realize, oh, I can fly, or I have this superpower, for, you know, for Bilbo, like, oh, I'm able, I have loyalty within me, I have kindness and heroism, which he didn't know until the, the journey made him. Cause I love Bilbo. I thought it was an unpopular opinion. I've always loved Bilbo. Oh, Bilbo's great. I think he's awesome. Funny. But I also love Puddlegum. He's my favorite character in Narnia. So. I like the Grouchy one. Puddlegum's awesome. Wow. Like, Puddlegum's vital though. So. It is. Yeah. Saves our life from being, you know, yeah. negative Nancy. So if we take what Dina said and we circle back to the very beginning with the uh, the Barrow Downs, this is the first test to see if, if, he, if he even has it remotely what it takes. He's stretched to the end and he realizes, oh, there's this, as he says, in every hero movie, the hero's put to this test and he goes beyond and suddenly something's unlocked in the hero, like, I know they can fly or they can like, regenerate, you know, they don't die, you know, so he realizes that he can, he can survive this and so then he can, he can move on to the next, you know, he's, he's beat level one boss. Unbreakable. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, he absolutely is. And then it's almost like you see a shift in his character as he goes towards Bree. Um, he's much more cautious. And remember when he comes to... When he, in Bree, he has like a relapse for a moment of lack of caution. And then he has to slip up with the But then... But then he cuts it back as soon as he starts talking to Aragorn again. He's like, he's, he brings back that caution again. So like lessons, lessons keep you know getting learned, and he keeps getting better at it. And he's like, no, I can, I got this now. I need to take charge of my of my situation a little bit, and uh, and go from there. Um, let's see. Where, I mean, yeah, we can do it. So, Bree, Bree itself. Is is a weird place. Um, it's a it's a bizarre place. I mean, he even draws attention to it in the books. He's he's kind of like nowhere in the world was this particular, uh, particularly unusual, but you know, excellent arrangement to be found where it's <laughs> hobbits and, and men living together in harmony. Um, so it's weird, uh, but you can tell it's super different, and it's like it's like just on the edge of of comfort going into like some even more unknown stuff. But I think that the most interesting part of Breeze is when Strider enters the picture. Um, because his introduction is so critical, one, but also his introduction uh, is, is, a, is a bit of this higher world. Like for the first time I think Frodo starts to see this element outside of his control, this higher reality. Um, these higher, higher men, higher whatever, uh, brought into his existence, realizing that he's going to have to engage with this thing that's way beyond what he ever expected, uh, and it's kind of like it's like the first taste of that, um, and and you get glimpses of it in Strider, Strider's conversation, um, and also his demeanor, right? Did any, has anyone read this for the first time and and not know? Like, what did what did Strider strike you like the first time you encountered him, having not known who he was? Yeah, has anyone read it? It's like all eyes are on me. Well, taciturn, taciturn, taciturn. Interesting. I like how the hobbits, especially Sam, did not trust him at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Well, they don't make him seem trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. Very serious. I mean, it's like they don't trust anybody unless he already like knew. Like, it was Gandalf. The well, they're told yeah. not to trust anyone, yeah. too, so yeah. it's kind of like... I feel like that's also then, a lot in nature. And then they're also picking up on um, the innkeeper's attitude towards Strider and oh, all yeah. these ranger folk, too. Yeah. And the innkeeper's yep. super nice, so, so you know, yeah. let's be trustworthy. I liked him from the, I guess from the start, just because when my idea of the hobbits are more like, they're just like scared of everything, I feel like. And so whenever I found that they were like a little timid towards him, I was like, oh, he's probably actually just like... Gandalf or one of those, like, I don't know, he's obviously got some kind of power, he's obviously, like, been some kind of wisdom, he has some kind of earned wisdom, it's very obvious that he's, like, mysteriously sneaking around all these years and, like, pop up randomly and go away, so I was like, hmm, I don't know if I trust him, but I know that he's got something to offer, obviously, and I think the hobbits are overreacting a little bit, is what I thought. Hobbits are the sheep on the farm. Yeah. I think, I think it's genius the way that, that Tolkien introduces Strider because it's like Strider has, it's like an onion with, he introduces him with such an outer layer, you have no idea, 
about yeah. him and and he just keeps uh -huh. peeling back mm -hmm. oh here's this dusty traveler oh, do i trust him or not oh he's kind of like a he's kind of like a wandering kind of like a marshal he's kind of like a cowboy mm -hmm. and, and then they're like oh no these and, and you just keep peeling back layers to to aragorn you yeah. learn he's aragorn then you see him in 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 rivendell and he's like you know seems royal it, I just love the way that he, he peels them back bit by bit and you yeah. have no clue at the beginning. Yeah. also love that he doesn't just say everything. Like, I love whenever um, Frodo's like, why wouldn't you just tell me that you knew Gandalf? Like, why wouldn't you tell me that? Yeah. He's like, no, because it doesn't matter anyways. Would you believe me if I told you that? So I don't know. I just liked his uh, mysterious but intentional. wise. Yeah. Like, it, he doesn't need, like, what yeah. you're saying right there, he uses wisdom, which... Like, a lot of people would be like, hey, I've known this guy, we're best friends, you're <laughs> friends, so we should all be friends. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, these guys won't trust me, I can't give them information, they'll be suspicious. And he's just intentionally mysterious. Like, he's not mysterious for the sake of being mysterious. Like, he's intentional about it, like, to the point of, like, this is, like, I feel like he tries to protect them without even them knowing he's trying to protect them. Like, with the knowledge that he passes to them, he knows it could be dangerous to them if it's so much. So I like, I like that, like, basically what he said about how Tolkien wrote him. Yeah. Like introduced him to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got book wisdom and street wisdom. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back. Yeah. He's right. Huh? He's also in his 80s, right? Yeah, he's in his 80s. Super wise. <laughs> he's been around for a while. He's prime. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a Numenorean prime right there. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really fascinating, that, that that element to him. And and he what, what was someone talking about how he introduced himself? Uh, even I think he even said at one point, uh, so I look foul and seem fair, is that it? Yeah. That was, and, uh, and the, the lines I love when they describe that is, yeah. is that I feel like the, a servant of the enemy would feel fairer, but, or sorry, look fairer, sound fairer, but yeah. feel fouler. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, he's foul enough, but I think it's the point of like not to judge a book by its cover, yeah. and then to, um, to do some deeper thinking on that. Yeah. Yeah, he could yeah. stand and dress up a little more, though. I mean, like, <laughs> he's, like, like, he's on the right. Yeah, but even, <laughs> even in Rivendell, it's, it's like, Frodo's like, ooh, Strider's dressed up with, next to this pretty lady. And, and then later on, he's like, now he's back to his usual self. I'm like, dress it up a little, Strider. It's very practical. He's got to be able to I love how even in Rivendell you you get another aspect of, of Strider with coming in from the side of Bilbo's relationship to him. And you go, and that's just like such a cool relationship because it's so humble, you know, and it's just so basic and honest. And you know, here he is Aragorn, you know, heir of Isildur, and he's just gonna go sit in the corner with Bilbo and help him help him work on some lyrics. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> also, that did surprise me when he showed up and they're like, "It's you! Like you're the one who's over here trying to come up with a song." Yeah, that was awesome. I like that. He's the it's humble king. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting talking about how like hobbits relate to other people, and it's interesting because of this relationship between Aragorn and. Uh, Bilbo, but also at the end of the book, somebody mentioned it, like, with Pippin, when Pippin calls him Strider, and the people are like, what did you call him? How dare you call him that? And, and Aragorn's just like, no, that's what they know me as. And not only that, but, you know, from now on, well, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, 
talking about that way that hobbits interact with the world of they live life simply and so a king they're you know in the sense they understand where the king is but in the other sense they're like hey you're just one of us like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like an innocence mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Childlike innocence, but yeah. not. <clears throat> yep. Obviously, they're not children, but. Same like as that, before. They're, no, the purity and the. And part of that's probably because they've been in their bubble. Children. Yeah. Sire. I mean, and Aragorn has no intention to, to burst that bubble. He, it's interesting how he tries to avoid it, in fact, on several occasions, which he and does later even more so, but it's, it's interesting that he's. He's very cognizant of that bubble, but he doesn't want to shatter it. Like he, he wants it to remain as it is, and he well, wants. Was that part of who he truly is? I mean, if he goes back to the camo when he could be dressed up, maybe that's because he's actually a camo dude. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this is just where he's most comfortable is just being he likes the stretchy ranger. pants. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, at one point in the book, someone says, uh, Strider the Ranger is back, and he's like, he was never a boy. And uh, that, uh, that to me says a lot about his character. Yeah. Like, he's, he is, um, he's, living in, he's living in all the worlds at the same time. He's, he's, he's a well-rounded, multifaceted individual. Isn't it, I think it's interesting thinking about the author side of when Tolkien is writing these characters, he has to have an understanding of humility, the humbleness, uh, the patience, the long suffering, all this all these qualities that are like very Christ like. He has to have an understanding of all those qualities in order to write them well. And I'm like, I always wonder, because especially because they're British, you don't you know they don't divulge all their innermost thoughts like Americans do. And um, it makes me think, like, was Tolkien, what characteristics of these did he actually, like, display, and which ones did he wish he had more of, but he still had understanding of them, so he was able to write it down, so it had to be, it's, it's within him, which I think innately, we all have these qualities that are longing to be brought forth. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Because we are made by the creator. But, yeah, just thinking about, like, when people write these things, they have to have an understanding of these beautiful things that are within people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, of course, he can write all the, the nasty and the dark and all of that because we understand the darkness within ourselves, too. Well, a lot of us do. One of the reasons why we Tolkien hits us so strongly is 
it harkens back to medieval mystery. And the medieval writers knew you could say more without saying it than you could with saying it. And it hit us at a deeper level. You can tell someone something, but I'm going to show you this truth rather than tell you this truth. And we've lost that um, today, but when we read it, we know what it is, we feel that, that mystery calls out to us. And Tolkien does an amazing job of, of the Victorian language of, you know, we watch a lot of Downton Abbey, and how you say something without saying it, um, although sometimes it does lead to misinterpretation, but, you know, usually it's, it's out, of, out of kindness that you say something that you that you don't mean because something underneath this, something you actually mean, the other person picks up on, but it's, it, there's, there's this ability and there's fidelity and there's all these things wrapped up in, in mystery. And I think that uh, Tolkien was a student of the medieval. And so he knew how to, 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 to write in a mysterious way. Debating dropping a bomb, a two-parter bomb, but along the lines of what you were saying, Wes, and time back to last week, this power and this truth of narrative and story, uh, I think there, that's a huge part of what's kind of missing today and why people long and attach themselves to these stories because there's a hidden meaning because Aragorn is like an ideal king who acts not for himself but for the greater good, who is humble, who is kind, and sort of now, I hope I'm not spoiling too much, but towards the end when Tolkien writes and, you know, happily ever after. I'm not gonna spoil the line, so I won't spoil that. But it's essentially Tolkien's version of, and things were good and happily ever after. And you get someone like today, in a, a fantasy sense like George R. R. Martin, who goes back and says, yeah, but what was Aragorn's tax policy? How do we really know he was a good king? And so like, when you're thinking along those lines in a different way, I think like more like Saruman, where you guys are probably to this point where Saruman says, I don't want to be Saruman the White. It's so boring. And Gandalf says to him, he says, I'm Saruman of many colors. And he's this self-defining. He says, oh, no, no, no. It's okay, Gandalf. We're going to still accomplish the goal and defeat Sauron. But we've got our own way of doing it. We're going to do it this way. And he gives into Sauron's way. And it's where Gandalf says, he who has broken a thing to find out what it is has departed from the path of wisdom. So I think that's a very, another sense, last thing I'll say, Wes, is I, I think that's a thing that, I think we long for is that that point of what is the point of a story and the point of a narrative like I was always taught that the medievals were just a bunch of dum-dums but the more that I study them I'm like no everybody after these guys are the dum-dums they missed the point drastically messed it up yep. so and let's go back yes so interesting I, it, like this the, the the character of Aragorn we, oh, I feel like we're going to way ahead of ourselves but this is, we're on it so might as well it's so difficult for a modern writer to want to write a character like Aragorn. Like, can you think of another one in modern literature that's like him? I can't. Like, and I've been trying for years. He's, he's so idyllic, while at the same time so understanding, ain't understanding and understandable and relatable for some weird, crazy reason that I can't still wrap my, my, my brain around. But he's like... We love him, we want to be him, we want to hang out with him, and he's also just like, he's like this, like perfectly, like almost perfectly moral individual. You'd never get that in modern, in modern storytelling. It just doesn't happen. There always has to be a flaw. Well, like Marcus says, they, they, would, they would break him. <laughs> a, a, a modern day author would take him and yep. say, here's this idyllic thing, now I'm going to deconstruct him mm -hmm. to show you that he's not really idyllic so that 
you can find out that he's not better than you, so you can and then so, so you can relate to him because yeah. he's going to crush him. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. We need that thing to aim at. We need a thing that transcends us, that's higher than us, so we can look at it and go, I want to be like that. Yeah. And no, you can I, write the other characters with flaws. Oh, absolutely. Every, all the other characters can be flawed. It's it's like, if you can just have that one. Yeah. It's, just give me one. Just give me one. one. There's, there's a point to the flaws. It's not yeah. just there for the sake of being there, because I think, like, I used to love Game of Thrones. Like, I, was, I would marathon with my friends. I would get them over. We'd do literally all night through 12-hour marathons. Whoa. And I used to love that show, but I got to it got to a point where I was like, I, and it happened by accident. All my friends were like, you used to love this show. What changed? And I was like, I started to realize, like, what is the point of this? Mm. Everyone's acting on their own selfish motivations at the end of the day. It ends in nihilism. Whereas, like, and I did, maybe this is an unfair comparison, because you can get some good things. Any, like, there, even within this turd, there are still some nuggets of gold. But there's this point of, like, every once you can find wisdom and truth in a lot of things. So I'm not trying to just down the story. But I do think that there's a difference between a story which written with transcendent values that point to a transcendent objective meaning or existence, something real, versus something that, that almost wants to focus on the mundane and yeah. as the most important. And like the comparison that Tolkien's story is timeless, it will last throughout time. George R. R. Martin's story was written from a postmodern perspective of the 1970s, which is already outdated, hence why there's so much controversy over even the things on the show today. And, and his views are already outdated. So it's like that story that was Game written. Of Thrones? Yeah, okay. in a particular place and time with his own mindset and with his own ideas, I guess. So, and granted, that may not be true. So I'm, I'm willing for someone to make a case, but I definitely think that there's a big difference. It's not that you can't have, Frodo has flaws. He's not the perfect guy no, to go to Mordor. Yeah. He's not. You know, like, Boromir is way more idyllic, but Boromir at the same time is relatable, possibly the most relatable character, because inside of us, we all are like that to some degree. We struggle with fear, struggle with doubt, and there's a capacity for heroism. The point is, what do you do with that? And I think that's what makes a story. If Game of Thrones, maybe if it was a story that pointed towards something other than people's own subjective want to dominate the Iron Throne for whatever they think is good, like, maybe there would be good stories today, but we have to return to the transcendent and have to return yeah. back to how do we how do we understand, and I'm going to go west, sorry for the medieval train, but how <laughs> does, like, not to not to go so far into the subjective, we exclude the objective, and not so far to go to the objective, we exclude, exclude the subjective, but understand them in their proper place. Yeah. It leaves us with something to think about, a tale that enchants our hearts and draws us closer. Even if we don't understand why, especially it's, it's the infusion of imagination and reason. Yeah. So, if a story that can fuse those two together correctly is superior in all aspects, but a, but a story that goes completely postmodern is going to be subjective. It's going to be ethereal. You won't be able to grasp it. And then if you go the other way and it's so ordered, it's going to be so so dusty and chalky that it will be unrelatable because it'll be so static. Yeah. So the, it has to be both. On the outside, it looks fantastic. But when you get into the inside, it's like empty. Yeah, there's just nothing there, no substance. And the, it's funny. I was just talking to I was just talking to Cody about this. Like that, that the medieval is right about the time we started to lose as a society our affinity for the transcendence. Mm -hmm. Because like as Charles Taylor is, you know, lays out in the secular age, it's like that's when we started when we, when modernism started to come into play. Yep. That's when transcendence started to just kind of be put over here in its category, and it's just kind of like, oh, it's over there for now. And now it's like not even a thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even like factor into our equation anymore. And so 
people are starving for this, which is why they come back to Lord of the Rings and why they come back to Narnia over and over again. But they don't know that that's what they're starving for because they think they can't even think in those terms. So I think, much like to your point, the reason this thing lands so well is because he was going back to that high point in you know high literature and finding those archetypes that work and make sense and a, appeal to something beyond ourselves because ultimately that's what we want. Like we want that attachment to the divine naturally, you know. That's why we don't like movies that have realistic endings, you know. Mm. Like there's not many of them. This is why people go to the movies. They you know, well, movies that have redemption, they, the good guy wins at the end. It's like nobody, there are a couple movies I can I remember, and I don't, I can't think of what they are right now, but like, had kind of like, well, that was a terrible ending. And it leaves you so, uh, and I, I love, I think it's hilarious, people are like, oh, I love it because it's so real. And I'm like, nobody wants that. Nobody, that's not real, that's like, it's a version of real. But it's a reflection of how crappy you feel about your life. But we all long for the good, which is many of you missed our Ted Lasso conversation last year. Yeah, really intense. It was very intense. Very disagree. We all many disagreed. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, like, because I know I've, I've dogged Game of Thrones. It's just my opinion, but I know people who I've really never like seen it. enough. Well, I think with Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, like I've not read the Game of Thrones books, but we've watched it many times but it's not like it's a it's a gratifying thing to watch but it's not it's entertaining within your heart like mm -hmm. lord of the rings is like something that you can feel deep within like mm -hmm. from the movies from the reading mm -hmm. everything game of thrones is like oh this is entertaining but I it's, yeah. it's lacking that like deep because level. it's you're you're interacting with characteristics of the creator and every time we do mm -hmm. we long yeah. we because we know that's who we were that's meant it. to be that's who we were created to be. And then when we watch Game of Thrones, we're entertained. And we see all of our own sin on display. Yeah. But there's but nothing to It doesn't aim take for. you to that yeah. deep, deep And level. you can still find edifying qualities. Like, yeah. like The Office or like, I don't know, Ted Lasso. You can still find people who have qualities, but you don't find the overall yeah. ideal human. Yeah. But you still find people in there. They're like, oh, I love how that person's like that. Or I wish I could be more like, you know, whoever. So I feel like those, I don't know. I feel like you can't, I don't know. I, I agree with. All these things. It's not it's, black and white. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I think that there's a reason, like you're always saying, that we go back to those, like the Narnia, the um, even Harry Potter. I mean, Harry mm -hmm. Potter's got a ton. I, I was just sitting here thinking this whole time, like the thing that hangs me up so much about Harry Potter right now is like I'm trying to this like Aragorn guy that I have known nothing about until recently. Um, like <laughs> he's confusing me so much because I'm like, wow, he's like almost like Aslan-like, obviously, right? Yeah. So he's very um, like. As David was saying, um, relatable, but also like royal, and he likes to maintain that bubble of like feeling relatable to people. You don't have that in Harry Potter. I know, and that's what I was just saying. I was just thinking but about. But I love this. Harry Potter. I do too. And so my brain was just thinking this whole time. I was like, this is so, so weird. This guy. I was thinking the same thing. Because we have Gandalf, and we have. Um, Dumbledore. Gandalf is your closest, have, but you see... Gandalf you, is like Dumbledore, basically. Yeah, like Dumbledore, very similar. Yes. Like the wisdom, like, you know, the wisdom but keeper. But they make mistakes. The, the, um, what do you call it? Like, the mentor, the, um, you know, going through, like, that whole, like, the teacher, you know, he embodies all those. I would like, venture to say Gandalf's a little more pure than Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Harry He's, Potter's like, the most similar, though, and I'm like, just where this one character is, like, I guess, like, Aslan is the closest I can get to... Uh, 
yeah. who he is, but there's no Harry Potter character. I was like, is, anyone, is there any character in Harry Potter that would be like that? Because I was trying to think of like, I love Harry Potter so much, but this is where J.K. Rowling. Neville? Neville might be. Yeah, Neville would have a shot. I think they missed a related ability a little bit. Yeah, Neville would Relatability a little, but... Neville is. I, well, I've always wanted to write a uh, like a like I've always like my, my yeah my nerd my nerd self wants to write Neville story throughout the whole Harry Potter series. But yeah, it is it is very good The thing about the, the it's not Tolkien isn't just talking about the tran the transcendent or the ideal the idyllic. I mean he's he explicitly says in in on fairy on, on fairy tale fairy tales, uh, or fairy, what did you say, fairy, fairy stories. stories. I mean, it's, it's that whole thing of the you catastrophe, the whole thing about it's being a retelling of a Christ tale. That is the, I mean, that's where, not just say it out loud, but that's where you get, you get the humble servant, the servant king. I mean, it's so, so clear. Yeah. You know? and, and it's, and he did it, wasn't by accident. He did that like totally. You know, it's not. He didn't just get that out of his own personality. He had. He had a goal. He had a model that he was going after to yeah. draw out some of those things. The, you know, the hidden strength and cloaked power. Yeah. It's still impressive to 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 weave it oh, in, in an epic yeah. narrative. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. So well. Super like there's actually like Christ is like divided into three people in this in this series really it's like Frodo Gandalf and, and Aragorn like there's three aspects of his nature that are embedded in those characters and and it's so interesting to pick them out as you go along and and uh, I like to think of Sam as the, the like idyllic the idyllic follower of, of you know like the, the one who would have gone to to the foot of the cross, you know, and and, and, and suffered shame alongside him, but that's... And even bore yeah. it for a little while. Yeah. Even yeah. That makes me appreciate Tolkien more. Yeah. Just this discussion right now makes me appreciate his ability to write, especially Aragorn, but like throughout the entire series, how he maintains... It's, it's real, it's not like... It's... You're not like there's. That's not. It. I don't buy it. You buy it the whole time, which I, I like that. As a side, to what y'all are saying, like bring in the element of time, and it it unfolds so slowly, and we connect with that, and we reach for it. Where in our society, like we want it right now, and we're getting it right now, but we're not getting. We're still only getting the pudding. We're not really getting the meat right. because we want to get to the pudding because it's so dang good, mm -hmm. right? But when you wait for the pudding, it's it's amazing. So how like that's one of the things that I struggle with because I'm me, okay? So I want the pudding and I'm frustrated with him to get to it. But also I reach into my higher self when I'm like just chill with it and let like roll. Roll with it. But are we talking about real, like actual pudding or pudding in British sense? I'm putting it in the British sense. Okay, good, because I don't like pudding. We're talking about the British sense. You're safe. You're safe. Reminds me of the last book of Narnia that Nina hates so much because I don't hate it. I just love it. The last battle destroys me. I love it. 
This the way this is happening, but it's very interesting. And then, <laughs> and then, like, you know, and then got, got to the end, and I was like, all right. And then you're an adult, you're like, wow, this is devastating. My heart's like shriveling up. And like, this is a world without God. What it looks like. I'm, like crying, and this is a world without. I get so excited when Father Time reaches up and just says, "Yeah, I'm oh, like, oh, that's amazing. That's, it's over." Good. Done. Call back. No wonder they were it's friends. Genius. The dwarves are for the dwarves. Dwarves are the dwarves. And they totally yeah, taught themselves so out of believing in anything. Yeah. And it's so, so relatable. So I feel like, and to this day too, I'm like, I think that book is so controversial. Oh my word, and we're gonna not talk about it. But last battle, like, he shoves inclusivism like right at your throat. <laughs> it's like, here, this is what I think. Even the idea of people, even the idea of people creating their own hell, is yeah. is a is a is a controversial statement to make. But it just it, like the way he phrases it, it's it's very difficult to argue with it. I never understood why people like closes off all the like, loopholes. He's a heretical, mm -hmm. terrible person. <laughs> he's hard to argue with, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Absolutely. So where are we gonna? Get, where's the next point that we're gonna like land? So we know where to pick up next week. Uh, we we didn't even make it to the council there. Two or three more pages. We haven't made it to Weathertop, Council of Elrond, any of that. So yeah. So I guess Revendell's the next stop. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. I need to make, it, make it. Make it. Because yeah. you don't find out what happened to Frodo with the Elrond. Yeah. The, what is it? The Black Riders? Like, or you don't find out what happens to him until he gets to Rivendell, technically. Right. That's when he finds out. Right. Just, so yes. we can discuss what so, happens yeah. when we get there. You, yeah, I mean, might as well try to make it through Rivendell. It, it, that part kind of eclipses along mm -hmm. pretty fast. Everything in Rivendell yeah. is pretty pretty quick. Um, the council's kind of long, but it's also really interesting. <laughs> so That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Gandalf tells a story. Yeah. The Gandalf's backstory in that section is that part's good. Clutch. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Cool. All right, well, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Um, again, we're going to do Rivendell and see where we go from there next time. Until then, and also until somebody comes up with a Lord of the Rings quote further up. <laughs> <laughs> They're in. I'm going to go watch that Tolkien movie You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.